So, um, the, the floor is open for questions. There's a microphone back there and a questioner already. Give your name and ask your question briefly, and you can ask any question you want, easy, hard. Just ask it gently, but we'll struggle with whatever questions come up. Thank you. The, the switch on? Um, hello? Okay. Yeah, is that better? I'm Bev Mendel Atherstone. Thank you very much for bringing this session to Lethbridge. And thank you very much to our two speakers for coming and telling us a bit about the similarities and differences between Islam and Christianity from your perspective. <clears throat> Henning and I lived in Pakistan for two and a half years. And one of the things I was most grateful for was as a Christian, the Islamic people that we knew accepted us as the little brothers and sisters because of our common belief in the Old Testament God. And that gave us, that gave us a, a commonality and an understanding that I th think hasn't been brought out here today. So I want to thank you for, the, um, for this helping us to understand one another. And one of the things that concerns me with both Islam and Christianity is that it's difficult to tease out the, cult the cultural artifacts from the actual beliefs. And I'd like each of you to comment about how that may separate us more from each other than the religion does. Okay. The culture, we got a uh, whistle here. Who wants to go first? So the question is actually... Uh, how, how, uh, how is our culture interwoven with our faith? So the, the, the just Islamic uh, point... You comment on the Islam. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah the, the, the faith is... Uh, is involved in our uh, to the other other faith or how the question is? My question. My my question. <laughs> my question is how how does our culture interfere with our sharing of our faith with others? Oh, the uh, yeah, in Islamic point of view, uh, the culture is nothing to do with the Islamic uh, laws and sharias. The culture's difference, you know, each uh, province, each uh, community, and each country. So that means, you know, it, uh, if you see in India, uh, I came from, so we have different cultures there. So if you come to uh, Canada, the Islamic point of view and the living here, is the different culture, right? So if you go same as in Arab countries, their culture is different than here. So for, as if you ask me like uh, the Islamic point of view, the, uh, the faith, how we involve in the other faith, then we can talk about that. But the culture is nothing to do with Islam because the culture itself is contradicts. Contradicts means it differentiates all, uh, you know, in, one part to the another part. So I want to make sure this. But thank you very much. Okay. I think it's one of the burdens that we bear as Christians is that um, we have not, from the time that, that Constantine um, ex became a believer, 
that we have woven culture and religion together so closely, um, and we have not faithfully questioned ourselves in terms of what we're bringing in from our culture and how that, um, and whether, you know, to question it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we're too, I mean, we've used the word Christendom. Um, as as something that says this is how we live and we live it together socially, economically, and politically. But I sometimes wonder whether we've actually questioned ourselves deeply enough as to whether the choices we've made are rooted in our faith or whether they've been um, hijacked by culture. My name is Pano. <coughs> And I would like to thank both speakers for their presentation. Uh, in spite that it was very brief, and uh, I wished if uh, especially Shukrala had more time to explain to us uh, and talk more about Islam. Uh, I know Islam is the religion of peace. And uh, I know that maybe not too many people know that uh, Prophet Muhammad, uh, one of his wives was a Christian. And uh, uh, he, he was very respectful to, his, to her faith. Uh, nowadays, there is uh, this movement of uh, the radical uh, Muslims that they are doing lots of uh, damage. They, uh, they terrorize and they, uh, they kill innocent people and all in the name of Islam, as they say and uh, a way for them to go to heaven. Uh, my question is to Shukrala, uh, what uh, is the true Muslim community doing uh, about this situation? And uh, do they condone what it is being done? And if they don't, are they doing anything to save the name of Islam among, uh, among within the world? Thank you. Thank you so much for this question. Uh, first of all, yeah, uh, the questioner, uh, he said that the Muslim people is terrorizing and, uh, you know, they're misrepresenting the Islam. So, in Quran, Allah says in one verse that anybody kills a human being, just one person, he kills a whole humanity. And in the same time, the verse continues that if he saves one human being, he saves whole humanity. And as he said, that the Islam is the peace religion. So how, how, how is possible, but if you have these teachings and you are doing this? But as I said, we have some black sheep in every religion. But because we don't understand our books and we fell into the traps of the shaitan. Because if you don't fall in the traps of the shaitan, then how it works? Because those are the shaitan traps. Because Allah is saying here, you save one human being as you saved whole humanity. So if you understand, for example, we came here for what today? So we had to get to each other, you know, get gather each other and take knowledge. But if you are a knowledgeable person, then you know the shaitan will doesn't shake you. 
But if you are a knowledgeable guy, then you have many things to shake you. So these are the steps. And the next, in this part, the next part is the Muslim, what they are doing for this. But that's, that's the main question. Because the Muslim ummah is doing everywhere, especially for the uh, youngsters, to giving the Islamic knowledge first, to read the books of Allah. And they follow the uh, authentic source of the Prophet Muhammad. So this is the, uh, yeah, we are doing in our communities, and uh, also we are keeping like this symposium and you know talks, and we are giving lectures to our kids, and we, uh, especially as a president of Muslim Lethbridge Association, we are keeping every other week a youth uh, youth gathering. So we teach these things, the manners, even to obey the parents, even to obey the uh, neighbors. You know, one thing I would say in this uh, in this chance, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu says, a Muslim living in the non-Muslim country, like if, if I am living in this house, like around 40 homes is my responsibility. Is my responsibility for the 40 homes. But if he sleeps without stomach, you know, the empty stomach, I am not a good believer. Who says this? The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu See the teachings. Because we, we didn't know these things. Thank you very much. You want to comment, Brenda? <sighs> I think, again, I want to, to respond with a question to all of us who belong to Christ. We've just put the question, how do they call each other to account? What about us? How do we call each other to account for our actions when they contravene the teachings of Jesus. Next question. Hi, my, my name is Bobby Harvey. I'm just uh, interested in the different headgear of the Muslim people that are here. Speak and right into the mic, please. I'm just interested in the he- different headgear. And I'm wondering, for the men and the women, is there a, a significance in the difference uh, apparel that is worn? Does it have a different sect or religious belief? So, yeah, I want to understand the question first. Uh, the women have a different uh, group or faith in Islam? Or? Uh, see, there, I know that there are... Head. Oh. Your your headgear is different from the fellow with the black. Oh, that, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the what only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, uh, is is nothing like uh, you had to wear it, but this is recommended. Like Prophet Muhammad in his time, he he wears like uh, one of my brother. He wears like the black one, but he loves to uh, wear you know the tie with the green uh, turban. So he used to do every time in his lifetime. So we, we, he wants to cover his head. So that's the only... Uh, but we follow his sunnah. That means he's the saying of, you know, he, whatever he did in his lifetime, we love to follow that. So that's the only reason. But in the same time, it's not necessary. It's not recommended. But in Islam, it's like recommend and also a uh, must. is like fard. This is not the fard. Like, recommend you can do it, even you can you cannot. 
but for example uh, allah says you pray five times a day but i have to pray i don't have a choice that is recommend is not recommended that is commanded yeah, yeah. so this is recommended and that is commanded so i hope the answer understand me thanks okay next uh, my name is van christu um, many years ago Centuries ago, when uh, both uh, the Islamic faith and the Christian faith were originating, people didn't move around the world nearly as much as they do today. Today, our people are moving very much more quickly and, and widely. We've become a global society. At that time, it was understandable that because people didn't move around very much, that people in a village, in a community, were suspicious of outsiders it was only natural uh, that they were different and had different ideas and, and they didn't understand their language. Today, where we move around so quickly and where we have atomic bombs to boot, uh, it seems to me it's much more necessary that we have understanding between people. My question to you is, do you think that the Islamic faith and the Christian faith are eroding that understanding or or developing it. Van, uh, just to clarify the question, don't go away. Uh, the question is, are, are the two uh, uh, faith movements um, helping that understanding or, or making it more difficult? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, as, as, as I said, in the Islamic point of view, it's like uh, the Islam is the peace. Like, itself is the peace. So everybody knows that. So, Actually, if we understand, for example, the Christian faith, they understand their book. But if you, for example, I will tell you one thing. Like, if you want to see a person, a faith called, you know, like, uh, I will give you an example, you know, Hitler. I will take his example. He inserted, like, he killed millions of people. So, if I take his example... And if I judge to the Christianity, that means it's problem with me. But if I want to understand the Christianity, I have to go to the main source. So I have to understand the main source and their teachings. Same thing, if you, for example, if you see as Bin Laden is a Islamic religion, then is wrong with you. But you have to come to the main source. But both religions... They, they preach the good thing. But we have to take the good thing. This, this understand if, if this point, we, if we understand, we don't have to gather each other. Believe me, they will do their, their own part. Thank you very much. I think at this point I'm going to speak from the tradition out of which I come, which is the United Church of Canada. And... Uh, I'm really proud of, uh, of our church uh, for the dialogues that we have engaged ourselves in, in trying to get to know um, the people of other faiths. And so we have, uh, for many years, been part of a Jewish-Christian dialogue, and in the last decade, uh, a dialogue between uh, uh, Christians and Muslims. And... In the process for me, then, it has, has uh, 
opened my eyes hugely to to the things that we hold in common and then that from there that we can work on to um, work on on and and build together those things that, that we value most which is to live in peace and love caring for one another deeply so that all can be whole and well that's the core of both of our traditions and that's where we can work from um, and and so I see that that richness as being something that that uh, is is expanded when we get to know one another um, rather than than um, staying in our own little corners Douglas Mitchell I'd just like to ask both Brenda, who is assumed we're all Christians here, but I know there's at least one agnostic here, about the problem of creeping secularism, which is threatening the Christian church, I think, in many parts of the world, particularly in the Western world. And I'm not sure in the Islamic world that that's so much of a problem. We all have our divisions in terms of denominations and basic beliefs within our uh, different faiths. But I would like uh, both Brenda and Khan to comment on is this a problem and how do we uh, respond to it? Okay. Well, everything can be a gift or a dilemma. <laughs> and, and I think secularism and, and sort of is a gift and a dilemma for, for Christians. Um, earlier I referred to the fact that for, for in, in the Western church, we've lived with an attitude of Christendom. And, and that um, we couldn't separate church and state um, and all of those kind of things. It, it infiltrated every aspect of of life here in North America in particular. And that's that's been problematic for us. And so so secularism is, is making us ask ourselves, what is it we believe, and how do we live out that belief in the context in which we find ourselves? Which is the question that most Christians have had to ask constantly of themselves. In the early church... They lived in a very pluralistic uh, world. And we're up against that question all the time around what does faithfulness look like? How do I live my faith in this context when everybody isn't of the same ilk as I am? And so it's a gift to be able to wrestle with that then as a Christian. Um, but it's a dilemma for us as well. Because maybe we've lost the tools, and the way of getting at that, that our forebears had. Yeah, this is a very good, good question, actually. Uh, I appreciate that he raised the question. So, in, in, you know, as Brenda says that, you know, the gift and also a dilemma, right? But I would say, you know, the people... The same way, like, uh, if you want to laugh, you have to pay money. It's kind of thinking, people. But I would say, think 
and free. Think for free, I would say. And also laugh for free. So you don't have to pay for, you know, to laugh. So the same thing in Islam, like the groups, and I said in, in, uh, in the Islamic faith, is no group in that. So we, we are just Muslims. But the difference between the Christian and the Islam, because the concept here to, to worship in the matter of worship and obey, the Muslims, no matter what denomination he is, what group he is, but he accepts only Allah as his Lord. This is the main basic foundation of Islam. But if you differ some faith matters, like fiqh issues, but this is all normal. For example, if we are living in four brothers in one home, we have differences. Brothers I am talking about. But how you expect the other communities? But the basic thing is, you have to respect your mother and father the way you have to. That is the basic thing. For example, I told you that the Allah, their Lord and their worship and their die and their for living is only for Allah, purely. And this is very important in Islam. So I hope I understand this question. My name is Cheryl Bradley, and I want to go back to the beginning of your presentations when you talked about the prophets and the sacred books that are the basis of the religions. And as I understand it, um, Christianity doesn't recognize Muhammad as a prophet. Um, and um, Islam uh, thinks that Christ was not the Son of God, but he was a prophet. Um, and, I, and like the Quran is a, what, a 700-year-old book when Muhammad lived, something, or was 700 A.D.? And uh, the Bible was written in, what, just early thousands kind of thing. It's like about a 2,000-year-old book. Um, am I, like, as, as, as cultures, we evolve. And my question is, are there going to be new prophets and new books that are considered sacred or, you know, that in, integrate new ideas as... Uh, as we, as a, as a human race, and as we, together with the earth, evolve? Okay, I'm going to ask uh, for quick answers from both of you, and we'll try and get Val's question in as well. So, are there any new prophets coming? No. So, this, this will, I'll quote you from the Quran. That Allah says in Quran, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَةً بَشِيرًا وَنَزِيرًا and also, in the another verse, Allah says, "Al-yawma akmaltu lakum dinakum, wa atmamtu alaykum raziitu lakum Islam dina." And that means, on that day, on this day that God perfected this religion and chosen His favors on this religion and perfected and chosen as Islam, and after Islam is no new faith will come. And also, no new prophet will come. Thanks. 
hot seat without a seat. Well, we too, um, and yet it's changing, and I want to honor that. Um, But our understanding of revelation and how God reveals is different. Um, and, and so in Christianity, we still speak of the work of God's Spirit moving in and amongst and through us um, as revelation uh, toward wisdom and, and insight and guidance. Um, and yet, our canon, the scriptural canon, is closed. But as I said in my remarks, uh, hastily made, um, it is the difference for us uh, scripturally is that for the Quran, it is one revelation to one man who documented it. For the Christian scriptures, ours is a compilation of various writers. You alluded to when was um, the Christian scriptures written? Well, the first of the, yeah, yeah. The, fir- the first book, the oldest book that we have in what's the New Testament is the, the letter of Paul, uh, attributed to Paul, to the church in Galatia. That was written in about 46 of the Common Era. And the first of the Gospels is Mark's Gospel, which was probably written in around 48, 49. But the oldest one was written in and around, attributed to around 40 of the Common Era, or 70 of the Common Era. And yet there's also texts that were known and circulated as Gospels that have been lost or rejected to the canon. So the Christian canon is closed, except in one tradition in the Eastern Church. So, Bal, you get the last word here. Yes, my name is Bal Bugra, and I've been listening to this debate very carefully. And I thank both of the speakers for coming and opening up some minds. You know, throughout the history, the pages are full of incidents uh, where the so-called religious people conducting violence against other religious people. And I know uh, one of the prophets said, this is a lang- different language. He said, there's no animosity with anybody, with any human being. We get along fine with every human being. This was, this was by a religious person. Um, so, is there something else behind this? Are the religions being made scapegoats? Are the interests somewhere else? That's my question. First brief crack? First brief crack. Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, I've studied, I, I'm a history buff. I love history. And as I look at, at history and only through my lens, I, I see that, that, yeah, there's been other agendas. There's been other agendas that have driven. Uh, we've gone to war in the name of God. God is on our side. We've done that over and over and over again. Um, and I have to I have to claim that as a Christian. And I'm not sure that every time we've taken an action in the name of God that it has been 
at God's direction and more by human impetus. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this, you know, with the quotation of the Quran. Allah says in Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That means we created the human being and the jinns for only to please Allah. That means we are all to obey Allah. We don't have choice. But in the same time, for example, is obey or pray. It doesn't mean that you have to live your life. You leave your wife or kids or the world and you just pray only God. No, that, that, this verse is, doesn't mean that. That means you live your, with your life, uh, wife with the way God and messengers told you to live. And if you do business, do business with the way God and messengers said to you to do the business, not to cheat, not to mix, not to hike prices. So these are the things. And also, so in the same time if you are doing, if you are providing your family the need, and this is also a ibadah, a worship. It's not only to you just you go take a Bible or read the Quran and you're saying that, no, I am worshipping. This is one part. I'm not saying that this is not. This is one part. But what about the stomach God gave us? The children they gave us? And the family God gave us? So we have to fulfill that. And the, the fulfillment is the important thing here. So we have to obey the Lord and the messengers to fulfill these things. But if you just go Sunday in the church or Friday in the mosque and you pray and you come and you be like crook again. So this is, this is not the way. So the outside way, in the inside way, what you listen to the, in the church and in the mosque, you should act outside. That's the purpose you are going. Exactly. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> well, well uh, I think we've been part of something special here and a rare chance to uh, hear each other and experience uh, uh, these different perspectives. And I thank you for coming and being part of this. And on behalf of the board of the Council of Public Affairs, we wish you a Merry Christmas and we'll see you in 2011.